This is the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. It's true that we will go through daytime, we will go through nighttime, and it's the same God that carries us through during the good and the bad times. A long time ago, and uh, if you happen to remember this, you probably shouldn't raise your hand because this would just tell us that you're really old. But a long time ago, in the good old days, we as families ate supper together. Some of you called it dinner. But the entire family would gather around the table for the evening meal. Today, most families don't do that. They eat on the run, they grab a sandwich, they wolf it down in the car as they head to another activity, to another ball game. But in the olden days, having a family meal in the evening was very important. In fact, it was so important that if the phone rang during the meal, here's what we would say, just let it ring, they can call back later. And again, don't raise your hand because we would call you old, but uh, I'm sure some of you remember those days. Um, A few years after that, Cutting-edge technology made it into our homes, even into Cedar County, believe it or not. And we found ourselves trying to figure out how to put a greeting on a machine that we call the answering machine. And whenever we finally figured that out, at that point, instead of saying, just let it ring, they can call back later, we would say, just let it ring, the answering machine will get it. Well, fast forward a few more years, and there was another giant leap for mankind in the area of communications, and the cell phone arrived. And when the cell phone arrived, we again changed our response to an incoming phone call, and and today we don't say, just let it ring, they can call back, or just let it ring, the answering machine will get it. What do we do? We ignore the call. In fact, if I call someone today, most of the time, I don't expect you to answer, especially if you see the caller ID that is me. Today, I've learned that most people are very comfortable ignoring phone calls. Now, there's one exception to this rule for those of us that are, that are really, really old. Uh, you know, kind of my generation and above, we feel that if the phone rings, we still have to answer it. And of course, we have a ringer on super loud because we can't hear it thunder and and I've learned that whenever a phone goes, goes off here in church, it, it's, it's never the phone of a 20 and 30-year-old because they've got it on, on vibrate. But we oldies, we have the sound turned up and we forget to silence it. You know, we can't remember very well and, or we don't know how to silence it. <laughs> but, but anyway, when a phone rings today, most people, except for my generation and above, they're very comfortable ignoring the call. Let me take this one step further. And, and I'm going someplace with this. I'm not quite sure where, but hopefully eventually, by accident, this will tie into our lesson. But fast forward a few years from the introduction of cell phones. And, and, and of course, cell phones started with uh, those big bag phones. Anybody ever have a bag phone? Some of you are saying, what's a bag phone? Well, it, it was a bag phone. And, uh, and then came the candy bar phones and, and then flip phones. And some of you in, in the early service, they were proudly showing me their flip phones at the end of the service, the, these dinosaurs. But um, anyway, a few years after we were introduced to cell phones, we got even more techie and we began to be able to send and receive 
text messages. And texting was a little bit complicated to begin with. You remember, you had one key that represented, what was it, three or four letters, and you had to keep punching it until the one came up. And it took forever to write a text that said, how are you? And then T9 technology came around. That stood for text on nine keys. And, and that would predict what we were writing. That made it easier. But then sometimes it said something completely different. You remember that? But then there was another giant leap in technology. We began to hear about smartphones. And that's when we old people began to make that old worn-out statement that some of you older people are still saying today, well, you know, I'm too dumb to have a smartphone, which is accurate for, most, for, for some of us that say that. But, but each year, smartphones have gotten smarter and smarter and smarter. And now, if you want to text, all you have to do is press a button or just say, hey, Siri, text Faith that I'm going to be home late tonight. And it's done. And America has fallen in love with texting. Um, and of course, there are a few exceptions, but, but as a whole, we have become a texting society. And, and when that little ding sounds, or, or for the younger generation, when the vibration goes off, there, there's something about it. it. It's like an addiction. We can't help ourselves. And, and we can be in a doctor's office, and even though there's a sign that clearly says, turn your cell phone off, or we can be in church where we all know that the pastor gets super distracted when someone's phone goes off. It doesn't matter. When a text message comes in, we were like, oh, I'm sorry. Excuse me. I, I, I need to take a look at that text. I'm, I'm expecting a very important text from the Queen of England or, you know, whatever. We just can't help ourselves. Now, sometimes we try to be coy about it. We'll hear the ding, feel the vibration. We'll say, oh, I'm sorry, and act as if we're turning off our phone, but we're just checking the message. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Of course you do. And again, I'm going someplace with this. But where most people can ignore a phone call, they can't ignore a text message. Because if it's a text message, several things are true. Number one is probably somebody that you know. Now, it seems that two-thirds of our phone calls are telemarketers, but most of the texts that we get, not all, but most, are from someone we know. Secondly, a text is very current. Your, your wife tells you through the text that if you want anything to eat tonight, honey, you better grab something from the store. You're on your own. Or, or a text means that somebody's running late, running, kids have ball practice, whatever. A text most of the time is referring to something current. Thirdly, and, and this is the great part about texting, you don't have to have a phone conversation with anybody. Now, I realize that there are some people that love to talk on the phone, and, and I won't mention any names. They're actually in the early service, but the other day somebody was telling me that somebody in this church call, uh, called him. They talked two and one-half hours. I thought, how can you talk two and a half hours on the phone? How can you talk 30 minutes on the phone? You know, my wife, a couple of times a month, travels out of state for her work, and we will generally talk once a day. Um... But she knows I don't like to talk on the phone, and so if a phone call is necessary, here's my philosophy, just in case you call me. Uh, if you can't say what needs to be said on the phone in 10 minutes or less, then you're being way too chatty. It's kind of my philosophy. And I know some of you are saying, Joe, I wish you felt that way about your sermons on Sunday morning. But that's different, okay? That's different, just saying. But seriously, in my mind, I've always figured that if a phone call goes beyond 10 minutes, it's probably a person that likes the sound of their own voice. 
Now, I, I, I know I probably made some of you mad, but you'll get over it. But, but anyway, if I talk to faith, it rarely lasts over five minutes. But, but having said that, and we're getting closer to the point I want to make, we text throughout the day. She has meetings throughout the day, but she can get in a quick, hi, how's your day going? How's your sermon prep going? And I can get in a quick, hey, are you still in your meeting? How are you feeling? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now, the other thing about texts, we read our texts, don't we? we? We never ask someone, hey, did you read my text? We ask, did you get my text? Because if you got the text, we're fairly certain that the text was read. Now, when it comes to voicemails, you don't always listen to them, do you? But you read your texts. You hardly ever hear someone say, yeah, I got your text, but I didn't read it. Furthermore, you never hear someone say, well, I got your text, but I didn't read it because I don't like to read or I'm not much of a reader. But as we finally arrive to our topic, why is it that throughout my ministry I've heard that little statement said so many times relating to a text that we've all gotten? And I'm referring to a text from our Creator, a text from the God of the universe, a text from our loving Heavenly Father. We call this text the Bible. Why is it so many people say, well, yes, I got the text. You know, I have a Bible. In fact, I have several of them. But I don't read it because I don't like to read or I'm not much into reading or I don't understand what I read. And, and the thing about it is this text from God, had we read it and applied it, most of our lives would be drastically different. Had we read it, most of our marriages would probably look very different. Had we read it and followed it, our finances would look very different. Had we read this text from God and applied it, most of us would probably have raised our children differently. Had we read this text from God and followed it, most of us would have handled the issue of morality and ethics differently. Had we read this text and, and followed it, we might have responded to our mothers-in-law or our fathers-in-law differently and possibly you wouldn't even have your current mother-in-law had you paid attention to God's text message to you. But instead, for whatever reason, we've said, you know, I got the text, I have a Bible, but I don't read it because I don't like to read, I'm not much into reading, and in so doing, many of us have ignored the most important text message that has ever been sent to us. And what we need to know is that there are so many similarities between the text we receive from each other and the text message from God. First, the text from God is extraordinarily current. It's relevant with timeless information, timeless tr principles, timeless truths. This text from God is so personal. It's from the God who created us. He knows you by name. And he knows how many hairs are on your head, whether it's 14 or 14 million. And for those of you who grew up maybe in church or grew up taking this seriously or you grew up in a home where your mom and dad emphasized the importance of reading scripture, I think all of you would say, my life is richer, my life is better 
And I can't imagine having gone through my teenage years or my 20s or, or, or my 30s or my senior adult years or the loss of a spouse or the loss of a child or a, another tragedy without the input of this extraordinarily relevant and encouraging text from the God who loves us so much that he sent his one and only son to die for our sins. I'm one of those really, really blessed people who grew up in a home where early on I had multiple Bibles. My parents said, Joe, you need to read God's Word. And they made it a priority to make sure that I was in places such as church, Sunday school, church camps, at times Christian schools, where I was exposed to Scripture and I was challenged to memorize some of this text message from God, texts that are still in my mind today. As I look back at navigating my adolescent years and navigating my college years and the whole dating thing and, and figuring out who to marry and trying to decipher what career, what calling to pursue. And, and, and believe you, I, I made a thousand mistakes, way more than a thousand mistakes. But as I look back on my life, I realized that had I not read and had I not tried to follow this text message from God and had I not grown up in an environment where I was challenged to not only read but to integrate into my thoughts and my lifestyle God's Word, I don't know where I would be today. You know, you think I'm pretty unlikable today and pretty abrasive. I don't even want to think where I would be without the influence of this text message from God. And I give thanks to my family. And to the fact that they took me to church, they took me to Sunday school. They helped create some structure in my life to where personal reading became part of my daily routine as a little boy, barely be, being able to read. And thank God, a routine that has continued to be part of my life even up until today. Now, on September 16th, we as a church began our journey of reading the New Testament together, and we adults are doing it. And we know, and I, I was so thrilled this past week as I asked Mitzi, I said, can you compile those little slips that you filled out indicating that you're going to go on this journey with us? We know of at least 165 adults that have signed up to go on this journey. I know there are more, but they didn't sign the slip. And At least 165 adults. We, we, we know of at least 20 teens that are doing this, their version of it. We know of at least 25 children that are doing this. And, and, and after two weeks, this is about the time, and, and we were talking about this in our life group on Wednesday night, that this is about the time that typically we begin to lag behind. And I was asking, is anybody behind? And, you know, some hands went up. And, and, and so, you know, we've gotten busy and and there may be a few of us that are wondering, how can we keep up or how can we catch up? And, and, and we're beginning to feel like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this after all. So here's what we're going to do over the next two to three weeks. This is a new series of messages. My goal will be to encourage you over the next two to three years, uh, three weeks to stay the course. We want to challenge you to stay the course. And we're going to use whatever means at our disposal to help you. We're, we're going to encourage you, may even use some guilt, some shame, some torture, waterboarding, we want to encourage you to stay the course because with God's help, you can do this. And I don't mean this in a cruel way, but that old worn out statement of, well, I'm just not much of a reader. I'm sorry, that doesn't cut it anymore. We're readers when we hear that little ding 
signaling the text message on our phone. So why aren't we readers when it comes to the text that has been sent to us from God? Now, let me tell you why this is important, because we've all come from different backgrounds here, and some of you come from a Catholic background. I love to have Catholics in this church. I love it. They have a firm foundation on a lot of stuff. Uh, Others of you have come from a Baptist background, and and some of you have come from a Pentecostal background, and we've got a couple of people here that would actually be Baptist-Pentecostal mix, and so I guess they're Bapticostal. We've got Methodist, we've got Christian church background, and then we've got a bunch of people that are nothings. Seriously, they were raised as nothing. Their parents had nothing to do with church. You didn't go to church. But regardless of your background, here's what's fascinating. Because you live in this particular area of our country, do you realize that your entire worldview has been shaped, has been impacted by the Bible? The the things that make you feel guilty have been largely determined by this book. The things that make you feel you're good with God have been impacted by this book. The way that you view right and and wrong and, and your whole conscience has been impacted by this text message from God. And so it helps to know what God's text message really says. And as you read this book, you're going to be shocked by what's not in there. You're going to find out that what your dad used to say about that lazy neighbor when your dad said, well, the Bible says that God helps those who help themselves. You're going to find that's not in the Bible. Sorry. As you read the Bible, you're going to find out that what your mom used to say, she would supposedly quote the Bible and tell you that cleanliness was next to godliness. That's not in the Bible. Sorry. But then on the flip side, you will find things in the Bible you never knew were there. You've heard the saying, drop in the bucket. If you read the Bible, you will find that comes from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 15. You've heard the saying, escape by the skin of your teeth. If you read the Bible, you'll find that in Job chapter 19, verse 20. You've heard the saying, bite the dust. If you read the Bible, you'll find the origin of that verse. And Isaiah chapter 49, 23 says, lick the dust. You've heard or made the statement, you're at your wit's end. You'll find that in Psalm 107, 27. So as you begin to read God's Word, you'll learn a few things. And what's so incredible is that all of us have such easy access to this text message from God. And not only that, we've got all kinds of translations. If you're one of those that likes the these and the thous, we got you covered, brother. If you like translations that are the more friendly modern day with a modern day flavor... Plenty of translations like that. If you want to read it from the Spanish, if you want to read it from German, Greek, or Hebrew, we got you covered there too. You know, one of the, uh, and I don't know why this came into my mind. Uh, I know you're going to say I've got way too much time on my hands during the week, but, you know, when you used to work Sundays, why, I've got time to just uh, think of warp things. But one of the most fascinating Bible translations, and by the way, I'm joking, I hope you know that, but one of the most fascinating Bible translations from my warped perspective is what's called the pigeon bible and that's p-i-d-g-i-n that's not like a pigeon that flies pigeon now pigeon languages are are languages that develop or evolve when people with no common language come in contact with each other and so sometimes you'll have a blend of the vocabulary of one major language with the grammar of another language and 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 across the world there there are different pigeon dialects and um 
But, but, but I want to read you just a few verses from one of the pidgin dialects. This is one that some of the Polynesian people would use. And uh, Genesis chapter 1, I read this in the early service, and, and after the service I had someone say, I'm going to get me that Bible because that's me. I can relate to that. Uh, let me read just a couple of verses, Genesis. And, and this is a real translation. This is not somebody poking fun or just having fun, okay? This is a real translation uh, and Genesis is called the start. God make the world. Verse 1, the time when everything had start, God would make the sky and the world. The world comes, so no more nothing inside, no more shape, nothing. On top the wild ocean that cover everything, never had light, nothing. Only had God's spirit there moving round over the water. <laughs> Day number one. Then God say, I like light for shine. And the light start for shine. God see how good the light. Then he put the light on one side and the dark on the other side. The light time he gave them the name daytime. The dark time he gave them the name nighttime. So had the nighttime and the daytime as day number one. Day number two. Then God say, I like get something inside the middle. For no let the water up there and the water underneath come together. And that's what God will do. God makes something for no let the water up there and the water underneath come together. The ting inside the middle, God gave him the name, the sky. Had the nighttime and the daytime as day number two. And, and again, this is a real Bible translation. This is not just somebody that's making fun of those of us that don't speak English very well. And so what I'm trying to say is that we, we have all kinds of, of Bible translations. But then you also have all kinds of Bible apps for your smartphone. You can have the Bible read to you in a dramatized way while you're driving down the road. And so you and I have the opportunity to read God's Word every single day of our lives. But we say, well, I'm just not much of a reader. You know, it's so hard to read. Hey, let me tell you what's hard. Hard is making really, really stupid decisions in your 20s that haunt you into your 30s and 40s and the rest of your life. That's hard. Hard is making a really poor choice in terms of who you marry or how you conduct yourself in your marriage. That's hard. Hard is raising your kids in a way where you do not teach them good, sound, biblical values, and all of a sudden you wake up to the fact that you messed up and you're going, oh, if we could just hit rewind and do things over, I would do things so differently. That's hard. Spending five or 10 or 15 minutes a day working your way through Scripture, that's not hard. Now, most of you believe the Bible is God's Word, but there may be a few of you that would say, well, Pastor, I haven't still decided for sure where I stand on the Bible. I'm not sure I completely believe everything in it. And if that's one... If you're here this morning, I'm so glad you're here. But, but can I just say that do you believe everything on social media? I hope you don't. But you still read it. Do you believe everything you read in the sports world? But you still read it. Do you believe everything you read about politics these days? Maybe I should say, do you believe anything you read about politics these days? But you still read it. 
Now, I personally believe the Bible is completely true. I believe it's inspired. I believe the Bible is God-breathed. It's truth. But if you have some doubts, the litmus test for what you read has never been that it has to be absolutely true. So I would encourage you to read it because I believe that if you read this text message from God, you will eventually come to the conclusion that this book is truth. So we owe it to ourselves to read this book. Now, I know I've taken way more time than I probably should have, but that's just my introduction. Now we want to get to Scripture, but I, I, I want to just quickly take you to a passage of Scripture that explains how this text message from God can become very real and practical in all of our lives. If you brought your Bible, and I hope that you did, I want you to open and if you've got just a regular Bible, if you just kind of open it to about the middle, you're probably going to open it to about the book of Psalms. And I want you to turn to Psalm 119. And uh, we're not going to read all of the verses. You'll be grateful for that. But I want to read just a few verses that was written by David. And just so you know, David, how many books do we have at our disposal in the Bible? 66 books. David probably only had the first seven books of the Bible to refer to. He probably had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, and Judges. That's probably it. And these books were written, and this is important, they were written hundreds of years before David was born. And, and, and the reason this is important, because sometimes people refer to the Bible and say, oh, this book is so old, you know, it was written hundreds, thousands of years ago, and it's out of date, out of touch. It's no longer relevant. Well, here's what David had to say about Scripture that was written hundreds of years before he came along. Psalm 119, jumping into verse 97, he says, Oh, how I love your law. <laughs> and you will find David saying this time and time again, I love your law. I love this text message from God. In fact, he loves it so much that he says, I meditate on it all day long. Now, David's the king. It's not like he's retired or unemployed or on disability to where he just sits around and trying to occupy his mind. No, he's a busy man and he's meditating on God's law. I'll just tell you what happened to me this week. I was studying this and, you know, David was king and he was still focused on the law. And I was thinking, Joe, what do you think about all day long? And I was put under conviction because it was like, that's eh, not always the law of God. Do I think about, do you think about God's word? Do you meditate on it all day long? And this is where it gets good. Verse 98, your commands make me wiser than my enemies for they're ever with me. Now, why, why would David say that? Was he being a smart aleck? Was he being egotistical? Uh, no, the Bible says that meditating on God's word and applying God's word makes us wise. And, and of course, David's pagan enemies didn't do that. Verse 99, and this is awesome, I have more insight than all my teachers. Try quoting that verse to your teacher and see that goes, how that goes over. It says, for I meditate on your statutes. Now, again, David wasn't full of himself, but he had so saturated his mind with God's word that he had incredible insight. And and let me tell you what insight is. Insight is the ability to see the big picture where others only see the dots. 
And David says, because I've saturated my mind with, with, with God's word, I'm able to have more insight than some of my teachers and even those who are elders who are far, farther along in life. And says that in verse 100, I have more understanding than the elders. And then here's a key phrase, for I obey. Say the word obey. One, two, three. Obey your precepts. But, but here's the way we think as humans. We think, okay, God, you're asking me to do this. If you'll tell me why, then I'll obey. But there is that in us that asks why. Why? And of course, our kids start out asking why, and we never grow out of it. But, but as you read the scriptures, you will discover there are times that God says, I want you to obey me first, because there's no way that you can fully understand why until I, you do what I've asked you to do. You know, on the other side of obedience, after you've obeyed, many times you will have clarity. On the other side of obedience, you will look back and say, oh, now I understand. Oh, yeah, it makes sense now. On the other side of obedience is when we begin to understand the ramifications of why God said what he did about marriage and morality or money or anything else. He goes on and says, I've kept my feet from every evil or destructive path so that I might obey your word. And, and then here's what I wish you would take from this today. I've not departed from your laws for you yourself have taught me. Now, anybody that's listening to, to, to this today who has spent much time reading God's word, I think you would probably say, you know, there have been times when you've been reading along, you've been reading in scripture, having your devotions, and, and it's like God speaks to you. This, this place right here just speaks to you. It's got your name all over it. A few days, I was reading, a few days ago, I was reading in the book of, of Philippians, and it was like, oh, that's for you, Joe. But here's what I want to emphasize. If, if you would be honest, you would admit to the, the majority of your prayer time, What's the majority of your prayer time like? It's probably asking God to do things for you. You know, God, help me. Bless me. Don't let this happen to me. Do let this happen to me. And you know, then our three favorite words, lead, guide, and direct. But what if... What if instead of just doing something for you, God wants to say something to you? Instead of God wanting to do all kinds of blessings like we ask for, He just wants to talk to you. And what if I mean, just what if the primary method by which he has chosen to speak to you is through this text message? What if the Bible is really a text message to his children? Let's keep reading in, in Psalm 119, 103. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. And then David closes with this very, very familiar verse. If you grew up in church, you know this verse. This verse is a picture of someone walking down a very dark and scary path. David says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Now, remember, this was written hundreds of years before David came along.
spoken something written hundreds of years earlier be a lamp to his feet? Or, in other words, a guide to his specific situation? Well, as we said earlier, it's relevant for all generations. And what I like about this verse, this is not big theology. This, this is not okay. What, what can the preachers figure out and, know, and only the preacher know because he's been to seminary and nobody else can understand it? No, no. This was written in a day and age when academics were not part of the culture. You, you read about David, you never read about elementary school, you never read about middle school or high school or college or graduate school. I mean, this guy started out as a shepherd boy, and here's what happened. He happened, with God's help, to get one good shot in with a sling where the rock hit the giant in the middle of the forehead, and that propelled him to be king. He was a shepherd, and he finds himself in charge of a whole kingdom. And so in the psalm, David is saying, I'm a simple man, God. I'm a shepherd. I'm a nothing. And, and I've done some bad things in my life. And I've made a gazillion mistakes. I don't know why you chose me to be king. So God, I need you to speak to me. And so therefore I reflect and I meditate on the seven books of the law that I have. And I believe that you will speak to me through your word. Now, I've given the benefits of reading and meditating on the Word, but what happens if I don't read God's Word? What, what happens if I don't read the text message and I don't obey it? Let me mention four things and then we're finished. If, if I don't read God's text message and apply it to me, then number one, I tend to be hard on you and easy on me. In other words... I magnify your weaknesses and I overlook mine. And I'm just being honest with you. You know, when I get out of God's Word, I, I, I begin to find that I begin to think anyway that more and more of my problems are your fault instead of mine. And, and I'll just tip you off. When you know of somebody that's a critical person, they're always criticizing everything and everybody, you can almost be guaranteed they're not in the Word. On the contrary, when I spend time in God's Word, I see my weakness, which makes me be more compassionate to others who have weaknesses. Here's the, the, the second thing. If I'm not in the Word, I tend to view things as if life ends with my last breath. I, I act as if there is no eternity, no heaven, no hell. But when I open God's Word and read it, I'm reminded there is an eternity. I need to live my life in view of that. Here's the third thing that happens when I'm not in God's Word like I should be. I, I tend to close my hands on my possessions. And my selfishness is directly related to my time in this book. And if I stay out of this book, my hands start to close in on what I have because I be, begin to think that it's all mine and I begin to worry, okay, will I have enough? But when I begin to read God's Word, it's like God says, Joe, trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Haven't I been faithful to you in the past? Number four, when I'm not in God's Word, I tend to hold on to my anger way too long. Because apart from the truths of this Scripture, I have no reason to let go of my anger. Because after all, here's what I think you owe me. And you know, I, I'm telling everybody what you did to me and how you treated me dirty. But then I open God's text message and He says, Joe, you owed me, remember? But I forgave you. Go do for others what I did for you. 
And all of a sudden, it's a lot easier to keep shorter accounts. So let me uh, wrap things up this morning by saying this. We've all received a text from our Heavenly Father. And we need to read it. And even though I'm glad you're here today listening to me, yet it's not enough to listen to me. And even though I'm glad that you pray, yet it's not enough to just pray because we've made prayer all about trying to get God to do stuff for us. What if God doesn't want to just do something for us and, and instead He wants to say something to us? So, we're two weeks in on the journey. For those of you that have gotten behind, I'm not here to heap on criticism. I just want to encourage you, stay the course. You've started a good thing. Don't give up now. Stay in the Word. It'll make a difference in your life. You know, in our life groups, just a, a couple of things. Uh, there was a, a young lady, she's been coming to our church maybe a month or so, but she spoke up in life in, in life group. We had an amazing time Wednesday night, but she was telling us, she said, you know, I've, I've never been one that's been able to read the Word, and I've tried, and I, I've just failed. And, but she said, I've started this journey. I signed up, and, and, and she said, I'm so excited right now. I can hardly wait to get into my reading time because God's doing something for me. There was another man that, that said, you know, I, I just don't know anything about the Word, and I, I haven't read the Word because I've never been able to understand it. It just doesn't make sense to me, but he gave the testimony when he said, you know, as I started during this journey, two weeks, he says, the more I read, the more I'm starting to understand. It's starting to make sense. So for those of you that are saying, well, it's all Greek to me or whatever, I can't figure it out, it doesn't make sense, could I just encourage you, stay the course. Keep reading. Hang in there. And God, little by little, you know the dots that you see? Those dots will be connected eventually, and you're going to see the big picture. So my friends, stay the course. You can do this in the name of Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you just for uh, your word. Thank you that you took time to text us. And Father, as we, as we go through this journey, on this journey with our church family, I pray that, Lord, we would uh, not just do it just to read it, but I pray that you would speak to us. God, that you would speak to us, that we would know more of your character, that we would know more of your will that we would see ourselves as we really are. Sometimes we're undone, but sometimes we need the encouragement that we're a beautiful creation. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to continue this journey. And, Father, would you speak to us? Lord, give us some truth that maybe we've never noticed in your word. And, Lord, through your word, we will gain strength against temptation, Lord, against the world against addictions. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to stay the course. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for these amazing friends that you brought today. Go with us this week. Help us to follow you as we follow your word. I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, 
That was a pretty wimpy amen. And everybody said? Amen. amen. You just missed. You've been listening to the Sunday morning message broadcast from Church of God Holiness in El Dorado Springs. Our messages are archived at www.eldochurch.com or to order compact discs or DVD videos of the messages, call the church at 417-876-2200. Thank you for listening.